Welcome to another episode of Italiania, brought to you by the Grand Lodge of New York and Sons and Daughters of Italy in America. Well, today is a red-letter day. Yes, indeed, it's a departure from the usual format. I am going to be interviewing a very popular comedian. Isn't that great? I'm so happy to have with us today Mr. Chris Monty, who is, I mean, he has credentials. I can't tell you he's a comedian, an actor, a writer, voiceover, a playwright, and what else? What else can it be? And a father and husband. How about that? The entire package. Hello there, Chris. How are you? Hello, Louisa. How are you? Thank you for having me. Not at all. I'm so, a chef as, all, as well, well, a cook. Oh, no, don't tell me. Are you really? I'm a gardener. I'm a cook. You are a man. I'm a German girl, so I do all the cooking at home. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, her idea of, uh, of cooking is shake and bake. I said, no, 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 this is Tatiana. We don't do that in this house. That's right. <laughs> Everything's homemade from the garden. Everything is, is fresh cut from the Italian butcher. Oh, my. I try to catch myself during the summer. Uh-huh. You are, as they say, a man for all seasons. Yes, old school. Old school. Well, now, your name, Monty, M-O-N-T-Y. Well, now, since this is Italia Mia, you've got to tell me. that That's a stage name. I will explain. My name is a stage name, uh, Monty. My, na- my actual real name uh, from Italia is Montrone, M-O-N-T-R-O-N-E. Ah. When my grandfather came to this country, my father's father, when he came to this country from Bari, uh, he was here for a few years and he got his American citizenship. Yeah. He got his American citizenship. This is, now we're going back, uh, you know, he came here in the 1920s. When he came here and he got his American citizenship, they misspelled his name. Like it happened to a lot of Italians. That's right. That was a common thing, yeah. When they came and immigrated to America, they, they misspelled their names. and Some kept it, some changed it. My grandfather at that time was a 16-year-old immigrant with no money and no job and when they changed his name he didn't know he didn't he told them that's you know that's not my name and they said well you have to go get a lawyer and change oh. it. And he, he had no money you know so uh they had spelled his name with a y uh-huh and uh but the real name is matrone from from body that's my my father's uh my father's name what do you know the actual city or the village he was in the village of uh, aquavita aquavita the, the, the city suburb of the city of okay. body well, you share a heritage with a, a fellow comedian, Mr. Pat Cooper. Oh, yes. Yeah. I love Pat Cooper, too. Yeah. He's one of my, my father's favorites growing up, and I grew up listening to all of his records. My father had all of his records. Well, I'm fortunate enough to say I'm a friend of his, and uh, it's a blast. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. once a month I look forward to that phone call, you know, and then just laugh heartingly. It, it's, uh, it's great. It's great. Yes. Comedians. You got to laugh. We grew up with, uh, with Pat Cooper. We grew up with uh, Lou Monty and all his funny oh, yeah. records that I used to make. Yeah. Um, people used to ask me all the time, oh, are you a friend of, are you related to Lou Monty? I said, no, because my real name is Monty, which is mountain, right? In Italian, Monty. A montagne. Mm-hmm. Mountain is montagne. Yes. Uh-huh. So I, uh, so that was, that was the, uh, the heritage of the name. Uh, I also come from the Paradiso family, uh, which is on the other side, which is uh, from, from, from Naples. And then I have some relatives that, uh, which never gets talked about. This never gets talked about in Italian culture. 
because in America, everything is, uh, it's a lot of Southern Italian culture, but in, I have relatives from Northern Italy who, who look, don't look at the traditional Italian look at all, you know, red hair, blue eyes, from all the way up north. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, some of my Italian relatives who, who are light-skinned, with blue eyes, whatever, and people would say to me all the time, oh, would you get those blue eyes? And so what are you talking about? Who's the most famous Italian-American in America? Frank Sinatra, he had blue eyes. That's right. <laughs> oh, old blue uh, eyes indeed, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's true because uh, Pat and I often talk about it. You know, when he said, "Well, how, you know, how could I go on with my name? You know, and you know, perform Pasquale Caputo." Yeah, especially back in those days. Now you would keep it. Yeah. In yeah. tune to our heritage, but back in those days, they changed everybody's name in show business. I mean, right. you can go through all the Jewish names that they changed. You know, Nathan Birnbaum was George Burns. Yeah. You know, yeah. They you know, you hit on something when you mentioned Jewish comedians. Uh, to my knowledge, you know, in the past, I mean, I thought the comedy world was really taken up with Jewish comedians. And now it seems to be it's shifted a bit. The Italians have kind of uh, stepped in there and taken over. In the last, yeah, I would say in the last 10 to 15 years, it has been so much more made of. Whereas it's funny because, you know, um, it, 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 how things change because things were looked upon as as bad in a certain era back in the olden days and now um, we're more proud of our culture so with Sebastian Maniscalco and Vic Potato and even here on Long Island Anthony Rodia and all these Italian comedians right. out and, um, and and building upon the ethnic humor you know before that it, like I said it was it was Pat Cooper Pat Cooper and uh, there was another comedian that his name escapes me from the from the 60s Was it, was it, uh, Lou, Lou Bacala Carey? Oh, yeah, Carey, yes. Yeah, Lou Bacala Carey. Yeah, and, and I remember him, my father had tapes, my father had cassette tapes of, of him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they would go to Villaroma and see him up there and, and see Pat Cooper up there, which I'm going to be, I work at Villaroma, thank God. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, working that beautiful Italian-American resort. I do uh, a couple times a year. I'll be up there soon. I'll be up there on September 4th. Well, you know, that's where the organization holds their yearly conventions, but we've had to kind of uh, postpone it. And it's been like two years in a row. Yeah, and we hope that, you know, next year we can get together at the Villa Roma. I don't know. say that the comedians and yours of course you included do you fall back on your your childhood with your you know the environment at home 
Do you get a lot of your material from that? Yeah, I try to take everything from life, from from the past, from now. You know, what's going on in my life now with being a husband and a father, and I'm late in life because I started in my 40s. So um, I try to draw everything. It's all autobiographical. Uh-huh. But I try to, you know, uh, perform, you know, something related. And it doesn't matter. It's so funny. Um, I, I, wrote, I co-wrote a show called Shut Up, Sit Down, and Eat, which was on... <laughs> Uh-huh. Five years um, with uh, Tina Georgie, Joe Maffa, and another Italian American comedian from Long Island, uh-huh. Taglione. Yeah, and we had this show, and it was about it was it was uh, four dysfunctional people, all of Italian American heritage, in a therapy session. You know, one guy I played the guy that was forty and still lived with my parents. Oh, and funny! And it was a guy that was getting berated by his wife, and she was in charge. Uh-huh. He, he, you know, like that, and this other guy that was divorced three times, and we all had our own personal problems, and it was, and we brought it out to humor. It was humor, and it was sad, it was all wonderful. Um, but when we did the show, and it, it, the show tapped into a lot of different Italian-American culture about, you know, grandma's cooking, and there's sauces, and gravy, and all this whole stuff. It was, it was a lot of fun, uh-huh. the show. But we had shows where we had Japanese audience uh, members. We had, we had a family from India. Really? And all of them said, we can relate even though we don't know the exact Italian Is that right, huh? Aspects that isn't in our culture, but we can relate because it's all about family. Okay. And in the end, it's all about family. It's all about love. And that's what people can relate to no matter what their, you know, heritage was. Well, all of us are really not that different, are we? Basically, when you come down to it, we're the same. We're not. I always joke around. I said, I do a lot of shows in Florida, and I do a lot of these retirement communities. Yeah. 80% Jewish and 20%, you know, Catholic and Italian. Mm-hmm. And the Jewish and Italian culture are not that different. You know, we like to, I always say, we like to eat, we like to complain. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, when you break down every culture, I mean, you know, it's not, we're not, we're human. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What were you like uh, in school? I'd love to know. Oh, my God. Uh-oh. Oh, no, my mother, she would bite her hand right now. She was alive. <laughs> if I was in school, I was I was troublemaker. Who were you? I knew at an early age I wanted to be in show business. Okay. So at six, seven years old, I started performing in the living room at parties. Uh-huh. I would rip off monologues from Johnny Carson and from, you know, comedians I would watch on TV. Yeah. And I would tell their jokes, you know. Not scholastic. <laughs> I graduated high school and then I went to work. I didn't even go to college. I went to work. Um, I knew I wanted to be in show business, so I went to work. And then when I got to be in my 20s, a little bit uh, around 24, 25, I started performing at like open mics and stuff. Yeah. Wouldn't you say that, you know, uh, you grew up in an Italian household, and I would say that the men actually, um, they. They were favorites, as far as mothers were concerned. Now, if you were a woman... Absolutely. I always used to joke about it in my act, too, because I said, well, in my household, I was the third child of three. So 
My sister was born first, and that was Principessa to my father. I love Principessa. Right. That's <laughs> right. the apple of his eye. My brother was born first for the men. That's the apple of my mother's eye. And then I said, I was like the stepchild. <laughs> I was the third one, you know, but it, was, it is true. I'm very close with both my parents, and even to this day, God rest my mother's soul, she passed on. But I was very close with my mother, uh -huh. both my brother and I were. Uh -huh. Was there a little bit of favoritism? I used to joke around because I lived home a little bit longer than the other two. And when my brother would come over, my brother got a job in New York City as a fireman. So forget about it. Now he's, I always say the firstborn son to, to a tiny mother is Jesus, right? <laughs> so when Jesus came home, I used to say, my father and I would be sitting at the dinner table and we, it was my mother, we'd all be eating supper and my brother would come over for a visit. Oh, and my mother would jump up. Let me fix your plate. My father looked at me and goes, she didn't fix our plates, but she figured he comes in, God walks in. <laughs> yeah. She got to serve him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know? Yeah. So, uh, and I said, would say all the time, I said, Ma, I, you know, you don't serve me. I come home from work. You don't serve me. Ah, uh, you know, you live here. I see you every day. I don't see him. <laughs> We're used to you. <laughs> yeah. So, but absolutely, absolutely, that's true, especially, uh, you know, especially I still see it now with, with my cousins and my friends and stuff that have the boy, the mother is always gravitates to the son. Oh, yes. And that's so true in Italy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, forget about that. Yep. Oh, Absolutely. the son's... It's the same, you know, it's kind of the same way, um, I think, in, 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 in a couple of different cultures as well. But in, in the Italian, it's just so... It, and I make fun of it. And it's, it's a good laugh mm -hmm. in my show when, I'm, when I talk about, oh, my brother was like, he did everything first also. He got married first, had the But you, now you have one, right? You have a no, little I one. I have one. I, unfortunately, like I said, my mother, uh, unfortunately, had an untimely death. She passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. God bless oh, she was young. She, she happened to leave us before my daughter came into the world. Oh. Uh, my father oh, is over the moon uh, with oh. my daughter, Olivia Rose. That's my little child. Oh, what a lovely name. And, um, and my in-laws, uh, that's their first grandchild, so she is, she is well spoiled. Oh, I bet she is. I saw a picture of her. She's darling. Oh, my she's goodness. She's a sweetie. She's got a good disposition and a nice personality. I hope it stays like that because she's Gemini. You know Gemini? Oh, yes, I do. I have one of them. That's right. <laughs> you know, would you, would you say that comedians are basically, you know, when they're off stage, they're serious? Or you are know, you? Yes. I mean. Or are you? Really? Most. Most of us, you know, like I know a few guys that are always on. It's kind of annoying when they're always on. But my wife, people will joke around, you know, when we go to a show and they'll say to my wife, oh, you know, it must be so much fun living with him. You know, he's so funny. And my wife looks and goes, yeah, okay. You know, he's not always funny. He's not always on. Right. Not. I tend to, I tend to just not be on all the time. You know, I'll make jokes. If, it, if you say something that sets me up to say fun, something funny, I'll say it. But for the most part, when I'm home, I'm dad, I'm husband. Um, the guy, you know, like I said, yeah. you know, pulling the weeds out of the garden and the tomato plants in the backyard, yeah. and, and you know, cleaning up the, the all my daughter's toys. And so I'm not always on, but um, I know a few guys that are always on, and then I know that's exhausting. Because it it's like you know, you're not at work now. Yeah, yeah. Do you get most of your material from, well, as you said, everyday life or your background, your life experiences? I mean, I'm always amazed that comedians get on stage and they have they have no written script. They do their own material. That's, oh, like I always say, when you when you 
you're a stand-up comedian. You're your own writer, producer, director, the star of the show. You do it all. So, yeah. Um, you know, it, it also comes with, you know, like I've been doing this now for 23 plus years. Oh, that's you know, a long time. I would say without having a day job and just doing it full time, I quit. The last time I worked a day job was at the end of 2003. May I ask what you did at your yeah, day job? I, well, I did a million things. Forget about it. I worked construction. I worked landscaping. I worked everything. But right huh. before I quit my last job, I worked for a company called Nextel, which was a cell phone company, which now is owned by Sprint and T-Mobile. But I don't know if you remember, back about 20 years ago, they had the cell phone that had the walkie-talkie in it. Um, and it was a company called Nextel. And we were very commercial, like a lot of construction, a lot of limousine companies would have it because it was not only just a cell phone, but it could double as a walkie-talkie so you could speak to Oh, I um, don't remember that. By pressing the side button like on a walkie-talkie. But you can use it anywhere in the country. So I could be here and you could be in California and we could talk on the walkie-talkie. Wow. So what? it was, yeah, it was a technology that was... For its time, was a marvel. Now it's, you know, it seems to be outdated. But I worked for that kind of a company where I was a repair guy. I would like fix. I was always good at like taking things apart and fixing them. Like if the VCR would break off, the if the record, the, if the record player, the stereo would break, I could always take it apart and, and fix it. So, um, which is the only skill I get from my father, other than cooking, because he's a good cook. Uh, because I, don't, I can't do anything else. Like I, I can't be a carpenter. I can't be a yeah. My father can do it all. He's old school Italian, my father, Jack uh. of trades. I always say, give him a gallon of wine, he'll pay the driveway. <laughs> you know? Oh, yes. Il vino, il vino. I don't get that skill at all. Uh. I, I hire people to fix things and I tell them jokes while they're working. Oh, my. <laughs> That's... But, um, but yeah, so um, I could always, I could always like fix little things like that. So um, that, that's yeah. my only skill. Well, let's talk about the cooking, the cooking skill that you, uh, what, tell me what kind of dishes you prepare. I prepare most, you know, uh, most traditional Italian dishes and, and American dishes. And I can, I can grill, I can cook. I, add, I actually make, uh, like this time of year, tomato sauce. I'll make it with real tomatoes from the garden by hand. And you've planted I'll, that? You know, I'll blanch them, I'll peel them, I'll do all that stuff myself. Um, wow. And I don't do it all year long. I'll do it a couple times during the summer when I'm growing tomatoes. Mostly I will make it, you know, from canned tomatoes and stuff like that. But I do that. I do, I make fish dishes. Uh, I make Wonderful. A, a fantastic uh, bronzino. I can do, um, I make, well, you know, you name it. The grandma, it's called a Nona's gravy, Nona's sauce. Yeah. The sausage, yeah. The, the sauce. I can do uh, fishes and chickens. I like, uh, one of my favorite dishes to make, which is a little timely and you have to be precise. I don't know if you cook, but uh, chickens. Oh, out. yes, I cook every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I cook every day. I cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner. My wife is like a queen. She gets her breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, what a lucky she woman. Lunch and dinner. She looks and she goes, well, I'm starving. <laughs> Need to make anything? Oh, she's so spoiled. Wow. Wow. Um, I'll, Lucky. I'll pretty much cook everything. I'll, I, I try to eat I try to eat healthy now because, I don't know, and all the men in my family cook. My father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my brother, oh. who was a fireman, and was, they loved him in the firehouse because he cooked. Um, Did you know John LaRocchia? The women cook as well. My mother was a good cook as well. But um, I learned recipes from both my parents and grandparents. And um, I pretty much, if I don't know it, I will look it up. I love watching Lydia. Lydia yeah. Oh, yes. Bastianich. Uh -huh. uh, learning recipes from her. Yeah. And uh, she's so detailed as how she tells you 
what region of Italy it comes from and why they drink this wine with this meal and what yeah. it and I love learning all that all that um, culture, you know. Well, we've had, uh, when I did a radio show, I did interview Lydia Bastianich, but on the podcast um, not too long ago, I interviewed Mary Esposito, Ciao Italia. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. She's terrific, too. She really is. Yeah, I like watching a lot of those shows. I get the books. Um, you know, my wife will always, that's always a quick Christmas present for me. If she doesn't know what to get me, she'll get me a Lydia book or a Rachel yeah. book or one of the cookbooks, you know, but I love, I love to learn recipes and, and cook. Um, I'm not a good baker, like my sister-in-law, my brother's wife, she can bake. She uh-huh. can make desserts, she can make candy, she can make all kinds of stuff. That's not my forte. I'm not a baker other than banana bread. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, it doesn't It doesn't go hand in hand. For meals, uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, soups. I love to make soups. Yeah. Hey, I have an idea for you. You're a writer. Why don't you do a comedian's cookbook? You know what's funny? That's a great idea. There's a friend of mine, and I don't, I don't want to steal the idea without giving her credit, because this is her idea. A uh, comedian on Long Island uh, named Maria Walsh, and uh-huh. she is uh, very funny. I've been doing comedy. We probably started around the same time, about 23 years ago. She wanted to do a show, like a web series, and she wanted to have uh, different comedians on each episode cooking up their recipe. Great idea. takes a lot of work because you have to test your recipes before yes. you put, you know, before you publish them. So and I learned a lot about um, the German culture from my wife's family. Oh. My wife's family, a lot of her relatives are from Germany. Right. Uh, and including her aunt and her mother. And they cook. My, my mother-in-law's not big on cooking, um, but, my, but my mother-in-law's sister is. And she'll, and they make, you know, they make similar things. They have a thing like we have a brajol, right? Yeah. They have a similar dish they call a rollatin. Right, right. The same, it's rolled meat with just different spices, and instead of tomato sauce, it's in a brown gravy. Right. So similar, certain things are similar in the culture, I find. And I go, oh, that's the same thing. When well, the first time she made it, I said, that's a rajol, just without tomato sauce. Well, did um, have you learned? Cheese. But um, I learn a lot about their culture and their foods, too. So I like to learn about all kinds of dishes yeah. and be well-versed. Yeah. Have you learned how to make sauerbraten? It's great. That's one thing I always joke about the Germans. I go, it's always this meat soaked in vinegar. No wonder you get out of here when you eat the German food. <laughs> um, but uh, I do like it. My my uh, my wife my wife's aunt makes it with the potato. I love potato pancakes, so I would look. Oh that. yeah, that's an art too. Yeah, that really is. You know. Yeah, I'd like to tell the listeners that um, we saw you recently at the Brumidi Lodge. Yes. You know the sons and daughters of Italy in America. And uh, you were the featured, well, one of the featured comedians, I should say. Uh, actually, you closed the act, and it was absolutely hilarious. Oh, thank you so much. That was such a, it's such a fun evening um, all around, food and, and drinks and comedy, and everybody was so nice. And yeah. I think everybody needs, needs it right now, especially since we're coming out of the last year and a half that we had to have to come out and have a nice night right. and laugh. And um, I just found that audience was so... Um, you know, supportive and wonderful. And uh, that was such 
watch it. It was a good night. And it's nights like that that, you know, you need it. it, it you remember it. And, 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 it, and it's healthy for you to laugh. And, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. How do you find performing now before people? Uh, do you find the audience have changed or more receptive, less receptive? I found it more receptive because they really need to get out and they feel like they're very supportive. And, and you know, it's almost like I'm trying to compare it to, I go, the first month after 9-11, when there was about two weeks where we didn't do any shows because 9-11 happened. And then right after we started going back to work, especially if you were a New York-based comic. Like yeah. Going to Pennsylvania, Altoona, Pennsylvania, which is like oh my goodness, God's country, right? You know, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. And I drove four four hours out to Altoona, Pennsylvania, oh. and I'm in a real, I like to say, like backwoods kind of countryish kind of yeah, joint, very you know, rural. Yeah. Wearing camouflage baseball caps and really, <laughs> you know, the kind of place where if I go to now, they'd be like, you know. They call me a yank almost, but I oh. went there after 9-11 and they were so supportive. I said, oh, I'm from Queens, New York, and they went nuts. They, they clapped. And I kind of feel like right now audiences are just so happy to see live shows again that they're being very supportive. Yeah. Um, and it's wonderful. You know, it's wonderful to be able to spread laughter and, and make people feel good for a while. That's you know? right. Well, we should tell people that uh, you really are visible. You're on YouTube. I mean, you're on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. If you go to ChrisMontyLive.com, you can from that homepage of my website. You can there's a at the top of the page. There's a, a one click away link for each social media site because this is the world we live in now. Louis, so you got to be on a thousand social media. That's right. Yeah, for the I exposure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've also learned, and of course, I've spoken to John LaRocchia as well, and he created a foundation, and I believe you're involved in one of them, aren't you? I think it's called Mikey's Way. Yeah, I do shows for Mikey's Way. So Mikey's Way is, it, I came to uh, know them about, uh, I, I want to say about 13, 13 or 14 years ago, I actually... And it was a wonderful treat. I actually got a phone call from this agent who said, uh, there's a company in Mikey's Way that's having a big uh, comedy show fundraiser, and they're looking for a comedian to open for Joan Rivers. So send me, oh. submit me like a 10-minute clean clip of yourself, and if, if Joan Rivers people approve it, you could. And I got approved by Joan Rivers, which made uh, another in for me, because after I worked with Joan Rivers that first time, for the next three years, I worked with Joan Rivers. Anytime she was in the tri-state area, she would have me open the shows for her. Mm -hmm. She was wonderful. But Mikey's Way was the organization we were doing a show for. So they raised money for children with cancer, but here's their gimmick or their catch, which I actually love. They don't try to um, eliminate cancer. Like, they're not doing cancer research. What they do is, this kid, Mikey, was diagnosed with cancer. I think he was 12 or 13 years old. And he has passed on since, but he lived to be about 21 years old. Yeah. Very good friends with the mother and father um, and the family. He, When he was in chemo, when he was going through treatments, he said to his dad, he said, look around, all these kids... They don't have the money for an iPad, an iPod, a laptop. Why don't we raise money? And while these kids are in getting treatments, they don't have to feel like they're estranged from their friends in the world. They can still go on Facebook and still go on and, and get them. So they raise money to bring kids things they need and things they don't have or maybe things they couldn't afford. And then they do things like take you, if your dream was to you know meet a certain New York Yankee or a certain New York Met or, or a Giant or Jets player, 
Uh-huh. Um, I worked with Paul Reiser and, and John Rivers and oh. um, a few different comedians with them. And then the guy called me and said, every year they want you. They don't even want the Paul Reisers and the John Rivers. They want you. So why don't you be our comedian? And I said, absolutely. And I've been doing shows for them for about um, 13 years now. Oh, that's terrific. And they're really great people. They're a good family. And they raise, they raise I mean, they raise so much money. They raise like millions of dollars. Uh, they have a different, they have a different outing. They'll have a golf outing. They'll have a comedy night. They'll have uh, different events at, at, at sports arenas and stuff for the, for the kids. So they're really, they're really good. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for letting me mention them. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I want to ask you a delicate question. Do you have a comedian, one that you most admire? Would you uh, come? So many. When I was a kid, I, I fell in love with comedy because of a few the old school names of comedy now that you'll probably remember, but maybe some of your listening audience, if they're younger, they may not. Uh, Red Skelton. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Uh-huh. I loved Red Skelton. And the reason I got hooked on Red Skelton was because my, my mother and father were very conscious when we were little of watching, if we were going to watch TV as a family on a Saturday night, it had to be family-friendly. They didn't want us to watch any filth, any vulgarity, any violence. Yeah. They wanted us to watch Wholesome. So... Um, I remember one night, my mother and father looked into, back in the old days when you looked through the TV guide, remember the TV guide? Of course. She looked through the TV guide, my mother, and said, Red Skelton has a comedy special on, and this is about 1979, I was about seven or eight years old. She said, Red Skelton has a comedy special on, I don't know if it was HBO or one of the cable channels back then, and she said, we can watch this, because they knew Red Skelton, they grew up with him, knowing he's clean. And he did a stand-up comedy special, he was in his 70s, and he was touring again, comedy, and he taped the special we watched and I fell in love with it and then I fell in love with uh, you know I loved Abbott and Costello oh um, yeah you know uh, Martin and Lewis and Laurel and Hardy and they would always show those, those reruns on the weekend yeah. I fell in love with those guys I fell in love with Jack Benny oh my goodness yeah and my favorite of all was Johnny Carson my mother would my mother would stay up because she my mother was a housewife and my father worked tea five in the morning he'd get up and go to work yeah and my mother would stay up you know when I was a kid she was my mother got married at 21 so she was you know young yeah you know, yeah when I was growing up so she'd stay up until one in the morning and watch Johnny Carson before she went to, and I used to beg my mother let me just watch the monologue from 11.30 to 11.45 uh-huh. he'd come on and do the opening monologue you know and I'd say mom let me and she'd let me stay up and watch Johnny's monologue I'd go to bed you gotta get up for school you never gotta get up in the morning oh my goodness yeah but I used to so I fell in love with Johnny Carson and all those comedians like that so this is this kind of a handful but if I had to say the Red Skelton was the first one that made me want to be a comedian really and really. then I discovered like I said my father had an old uh, hi-fi yeah he changed from the hi-fi to the stereo and he put the hi-fi in my brother and I shared a bedroom and he, I told my father I want the hi-fi in the room but so I put the hi-fi in my bedroom and in the hi-fi you could store the records and my father had Pat Cooper he had Bacala he had uh, Lou Monte, he had Bill Dana, remember Bill Dana? Yes, yes, Jose Jimenez, yeah. All these old albums from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Uh, and even earlier. And I listened to all those comedy records. Yeah. You know, and then I, I fell in love with comedy as a kid. Uh-huh. You know, uh, one of your credits is you're an actor, okay? Because you have been, uh, you were in the movie Mall Cop 2, right? Mall Cop 2, I did an episode of Kevin Can Wait with Kevin James that was on CBS. What a blast. Oh, what did you play? Vinyl on HBO uh-huh. that I was on a couple of years ago. So I've done some. Uh, in fact, I 
just auditioned yesterday via self-tape for a new show that's coming out on Netflix. So. Oh, what is that? If I get the part, I'll let you know. Oh, please do. Yeah, yeah. I'll pass it on. Yeah. Would you, you, would you say that um, acting is a big part of being a, com- a stand-up comedian? Not every comedian wants to be an actor, but I think a lot of, and Jackie Gleason said this on, on The Tonight Show, uh, and I watched him say this and I agreed with him. He said, comedians, a lot of comedians make really good actors. Um, but he goes, I don't know of any actors that all of a sudden turn to comedy and can become comedians when they were actors first and weren't comedians. But in, in comedy, you know, and we and comedians make great dramatic actors as well as comedic actors. But yeah. I think it's because of what we said earlier in the show. We're writing and performing and producing and starring in our own show every night. Mm-hmm. That I think it helps us when I talk about my grandmother or I talk about my mother or talk about whoever, I kind of become the character on stage. Right. So I can do different accents and different characters and stuff like that. But, um... Not every comedian wants to be an actor. I have friends that just want to do comedy, and they don't want to really get into the acting. Yeah. I've always enjoyed both ends of it. I always will say I'm a stand-up comedian first, but I, I enjoy acting as well. Um, and it's not, you know, it's like the only pressure is really when you're auditioning for it. Yeah. You, know, you want to be good at the audition, and you want to get the part. But once you get the part, you know, you're acting with other actors, and you're doing it. It's not like when you're a stand-up comedian, you need a response every seven to ten seconds. Yeah. You need a laugh. So when you're acting, you don't need that, you know. How much time do you devote to writing? I write. Or do you? So uh, there's guys that are very disciplined. I'm very undisciplined in sitting down and writing. There's guys that sit down an hour a day, two hours a day. Uh I have friends that do that, and that's just their thing. They wake up in the morning, they put on a pot of coffee, and they sit and they write jokes. And um, I write as I live. Um, Things happen, and I write them down, and I add them to the act. That's how I write. Um, and so I might get, you know, two, three minutes of new material each week, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem like a lot. But in the course of a year, you're talking about an hour to an hour and a half of, of material you're writing mm-hmm. every year, which in a normal performance, like tonight, I have a show tonight, actually. I'm working in a retirement community out in New Jersey uh, at 7.30 tonight. I have to do an hour. So I go on from 7.30 to 8.30. Mm-hmm. That's usually the bulk of my show. Yeah. Normally I'll do an hour, I'll do 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Like I think when I did the Italian American Club with you guys, uh, that was maybe 40 minutes, 35, 40, because there was a few other acts on the show. Right. You know, and, and you, you don't want to overload people with too much comedy. Either. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I write kind of on the fly. I write as it happens to me. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I always keep a pad and pencil next to my bed. And if I, if I woke up and something funny hit me in the middle of the night or if I can remember it, I write it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I just try to write things down or record them into my phone if I think of something funny. Right. You know. Are you finding a lot of material out there, though? Everything is becoming so serious. Everything's serious, I know. It's... I try to, uh, you know, keep it self-deprecating and keep it to me instead of making fun of certain groups. Right, that's sensitive. safe. But I'm sure uh, I, I, I've said one or two things that might offend somebody and I didn't mean to, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I try to stay away from politics. I try to stay away from... If I do talk about religion, I talk about Catholic because I grew up Catholic, so I'll do jokes uh, that aren't... that try not to be offensive. I, I did a show one time, and I said, Jesus must have been Italian because the guy was 33 and he still lived with his mother, right? <laughs> and they got to laugh. But then somebody after the show came to me, oh, you shouldn't say that about Jesus. Oh, no, that's funny. Like, come on. Oh. You don't judge me. You don't have to judge me. <laughs> 
Oh, let's lighten up. Let's lighten up, right? Oh, that is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love that joke. Yeah, I mean, it's true, right? I go everywhere he went. He, you know, everywhere he went, he had to take 12 guys with him. Said, Come on, that's an Italian guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, you know, the audience has to have a sense of humor. I mean, you, I don't think you can get through life without a sense of humor. You need that. Yeah. Right. With an open mind of, hey, we're going to laugh about life. Right. You know, listen, some of the some of the biggest jokes or funniest things we've said were at funerals. My, you know, like you're at a funeral. When I would say, especially when my mother passed away, it was very sad. But I said we should be celebrating her life instead of yes. this morning. Yes, that's she right. Be celebrating her life. She, she had a wonderful life and she had wonderful family. So you know, we told my mother was a funny woman. So we told funny stories and we laughed and you know. That's the way to do it. At at every funeral, you should also celebrate life, so you shouldn't be too serious all the time. Because if if you're too serious all the time, you said you're going to go crazy. Yeah, you know, it makes me think of the funerals in New Orleans, you know, where the whole band comes out, and they play in the streets as they go to the cemetery. I think that's fantastic. I think that's great. I really do. And then in Ireland, they go to the bar. Right in the that's right. My mom right. said in, in Brooklyn, as a little girl, she goes, I remember they put a sheet up over the entranceway yeah. to the living room. And nobody oh, slept. She said, my mom, uh, like her parents told her, don't go in there. Right. You know? And the family didn't sleep for four days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. True, true. I, it's, can you imagine that, having someone laid out in your living room? No, 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 thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the funeral pole. Yeah, that's you. right. <laughs> Well, let's talk about, uh, are you going to be in the Long Island area or New York area where we can see you perform? Um, coming up, I should have looked at my schedule. Uh, maybe I have my book. But I, I, I know I'm going to be, um, I do have some shows in New York kind of scattered about. Uh, I have a date in, on the 29th of this month in um, in Bayside, Queens. I have some dates uh, this coming Friday. Uh, I don't know when this show airs, but on, the, on August Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Oh, um, that's not far. It begins at 8 o'clock uh, on the 27th, uh, which is a Friday. I'm up at uh, beautiful Villa Roma. I'm back at Villa Roma on September 4th. And then probably my schedule will get a little more clearer. I'm a little bit on the road doing stuff in Florida and, and stuff like that in the fall. But I, I probably will be back shortly uh, this fall, either October or November, at Governor's Comedy Club's. On Long Island, they have a club in Levittown, one in Belmore, and one in Out East in, in uh, Bohemia. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And right now, I'm waiting for the for the agents to sort out the dates. But once I get a, a date, you can always go to chrismontilive.com. Oh, so you will be... Pre- uh-huh. You will perform in Bohemia. That's like a stone's throw from here, for me, oh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, very okay. close. Yeah, so I'll let you know. When I'm in Bohemia... Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, you come and have a good laugh. Oh, yeah. I need a good laugh. Always, always. We all do. Well, you have probably conquered, I mean, the media. Is there anything else that you feel that you have not... um, Accomplished? Yeah, exactly. Um, I would love to. One of my dreams 
and I, in the business, wrote a couple different scripts for ideas for a show. I would love to have a show. If not my own, at least one of the things I would love to do is have a part on a show where I'm on the show. Yeah. I'd love to have, when I, when I, I've gotten different parts on shows. I've been on maybe an episode. When you on an episode, you're you're usually you work for the week. You go in for a day of wardrobe. You go in for a day of rehearsal, and then there's a day where you shoot uh, your scenes. And um, having that experience, it's it's wonderful. I mean, I love the acting aspect of it. Um, so I would love to maybe get a part on a show where I'm a regular cast member. Um, other than that, you know, I I love what I do. I can't complain. If I laid my head on my pillow and didn't wake up tomorrow, I always tell my wife, I go, I, I, you did it all. It's important to be happy in what you do in life. It oh, makes you a better person. It makes you a happier person. So, uh, if you're happy with the job you have, that's so important to you. That's right. And physical health, I think. So, I love doing stand up. I love the fact that I have a show tonight. I'm going out on a Monday and I'm going to make people laugh and I look forward to that. So, you know, bravo. Then, you know, and people say success is measured in different ways. I say I'm already successful. I'm healthy. I have a house. I have a beautiful wife, a beautiful daughter, and I'm doing what I love for a living. So that's success right there. You've so got it all. That's I, great. I say, you know, other than the, the, what do you call it? The material things? Yeah. I guess I, I pretty much am happy where I am, you know? Good. Good for you. That's great. Well, it, it's, it's, it, you know what? You get that feeling when you want, you know, as you're watching you perform, you get the feeling that this man has really done it all and he is happy doing it. That is, that comes across. Thank you. I try to just be, be myself, be real, you know. Yeah. I'm not that much different from the guy on stage. The guy on stage might be a little bit more animated and a little bit more loud sometimes, but when you take the guy off stage and you meet me uh, off stage, I'm pretty much 90% the same person. And I try to bring the real uh, aspect of my personality to my shows so people feel like, oh, this guy's genuine. That's right. Oh, bravo. I mean, really. Well, this has been really, uh, just been so enjoyable. I know I've enjoyed it. And uh, It's really been a pleasure. Well, it's a pleasure having you. <laughs> I'll come back whenever you want. Just well, that's it. I don't want you to hang up. I'm going to close out the show, but don't hang up. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so glad that you now have met Mr. Chris Monte. And when he's in your area, don't miss it. You have to see him perform. He's absolutely hilarious. And you'll come out feeling so good, so good about everything. And you'll forget your troubles and you'll get happy. Boy, I think that's a song, isn't it? Forget your troubles and just get happy. Okay. I'm leaving you with that thought, everyone. <laughs> As I say, Every week, I'm wishing all of you tante belle cose e ciao.